Welcome to the Handyman Hustle, where we plan to motivate, educate, and help you elevate you and your handyman hustle. I am your host, Joseph the Handyman. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing the five steps that you need to take before starting a successful handyman hustle. Now, before I get into the five steps, I'd like to take a moment and properly introduce myself. I own a small handyman business located in Sacramento, California. And like most people that I've come in contact with, I've started this business simply as a side hustle. And today it's fully grown into a fully functional home service company where I provide a variety of different services to my clients from small common repairs to more major repairs or services. And we also specialize in heating and air conditioning. I've been in the heating and air industry now for going on 10 years, and I've been in the home improvement industry for 15 years. And I recently became a licensed heating and air contractor a couple of years ago. That's really helped elevate my business. And one of the things that I've noticed since I've done that is how handyman business actually integrates really well with the heating and air industry. Now, for today's podcast, we're going to be talking about the five steps you need to take in order to start your handyman business. Step one, researching the handyman hustle. Before you start your business, there's going to be some legalities that you need to be aware of. In the state of California, where my business is located, the Contractor State Licensing Board is the government entity that regulates trade professionals in our state. And they have indicated for our area that no one can perform or take on any contracted work in the amount of $500 or more that include both labor and material without holding a valid contractor's license. And in my county, in the city that my, the business that I own is located in, they also required me to take out a business license and a specialty business license because I'm going to be performing work inside people's homes. That included a background and fingerprint check. And I also had to obtain a general liability policy of $1 million. Now, the general liability policy, they can average, depending on the scope of work you're doing, between $300 and $800 per year. But it's an added benefit that I felt even if it wasn't a requirement, I would still obtain because of the level of protection and the peace of mind it brings to your company. So I would highly recommend looking into a plan, whether it's a requirement or not. And in a later episode, I will be discussing commercial insurance policies and general liability insurance more in depth to give you some guidance on what route may work best for you. So to recap step one, do your research, figure out what legalities must be met in order for you to run a successful business in your area. Find out what certificates, what level of insurance, what types of insurances are going to be required. I know there's many states that are very flexible and there may not be a whole lot that you may need to do. It's always a good thing to do your research. Step number two, the handyman business plan. Now that you've done your research and you figured out what legalities must be met in order for you to start and operate as a handy person in your area, the next step is going to be putting this all on paper. The business plan is a crucial step in organizing all your ideas, organizing your business structure, and organizing a clear path for you to be successful. 
Your business plan is going to include your business name, what your company stands for, why your company exists, and what are some of the key things you want to offer and provide as a handyman company in your area. Your business plan should also include information like what are your operating hours going to be? What is your typical work week going to look like? And most importantly, how are you going to conduct day-to-day operations? That can include things like what form of payment you're going to accept, how you're going to do your invoicing, if you're going to be using any sophisticated software, and if you're going to be using any specialty tools in your work van or your work truck, what kind of vehicle you're going to be using, what branding and marketing plans you already have in place to carry your business to the next level, what you plan to expand into once your business is fully operational and going, and what are your long-term and short-term goals. All of this information needs to be detailed and to the point because you're going to have to hold yourself accountable as you review your business plan every time you reach a goal. The second portion of your business plan is going to be tracking your data, and your business information every week until you get a reporting system in place where you can manage it automatically and even digitally. The data that you collect from tracking your overall business financials, your numbers, like how many estimates are you running and are they converting into sales? How many estimates are coming in and from what lead source they're coming in from? All of that data is what's going to eventually help you build your branding, help you build your pricing, and really help you achieve those long-term goals as your business progresses. Now, there are going to be ways for you to use software to manage the financials of your business. There's going to be two softwares that I recommend when you begin your business, and the first one being QuickBooks. QuickBooks is an accounting software that allows you to manage your day-to-day financials by keeping all of that information in a categorized portion and a file inside of QuickBooks. So when you look at QuickBooks, you can easily project and see your overall financial health and the well-being of your business. Now, QuickBooks is not recommended to be used as a new beginner software. I highly recommend contacting QuickBooks and partnering with an approved agent of QuickBooks, either by paying QuickBooks to do it for you or finding someone through the QuickBooks network like I did to manage and pretty much be responsible for making sure all the information that gets inputted in QuickBooks is accurate and correct. Because when I first started, I did it on my own. And let me tell you, the first year was a complete mess and I couldn't get a good picture of how my business was doing and if my business was growing because all my numbers that I inputted inside QuickBooks were completely wrong and not categorized correctly. I ended up having to restart the entire service once I hired somebody from QuickBooks who was experienced using QuickBooks which now they are able to organize it for me on a monthly basis and just maintain it for me. So when I need the information, I can get it very easily. The second software that I would recommend 
is actually a CRM service, which stands for Customer Relations Management. And the way the software works is it tracks in real time all of your business data. And so you're able to create invoices, you're able to create sales estimate, you're able to send messages to customers and notifications when you're on your way to their home, when you completed the job, when an estimate is being sent over to them, when their invoice has arrived, you can collect payments through the CRM via their app or live online. There's so many different things that you can do and has so many different customizable options. And my favorite one being that when you finish a job, it automatically sends the client a review to help that review get posted either on Google, on Yelp, wherever they choose. So you can boost your rankings and you can boost your reputation in your local area. The name of that software is called Markate. Markate is the software that I've been using now for a year. And let me tell you, I have seen a tremendous difference in how the day-to-day operations of my business has ran just by investing in a CRM software. So that is the two softwares I would recommend in step two. And to recap step two, create a business plan, be as detailed as you can. It's okay if it's not seven or eight pages long. Set goals and realistic expectations. Use your business plan as a blueprint to guide you. Keep track of all your financials. Organize all your financials. And if you can, use software to do it as that'll save you time, save you so much headache, and help you keep you more organized as your business grows. Step number three is going to be identifying your services. Now that you have established a business plan and you've done the research needed to work and operate your handyman business, what type of services are you going to offer? When you're thinking about your services, keep in mind that anything you're going to offer, you want to build value and you want to be able to offer something that the client is going to need. And let me tell you, there are a lot of different services you can provide. Now, when I talk about providing value, every service that you offer, you want to be able to stand behind. You want to be able to provide a warranty and you want to be able to fix the problem that the client is calling you about to begin with. But you also want to provide added additional free value. And let me give you an example of what I mean. When we do a gutter system cleaning, our normal practice is to remove all the debris pressure wash or run a hose down the channels of the gutter, down the downspouts to make sure they're all unclogged. We also take a leaf blower and blow off any of the leaves or the debris that's on the actual roof itself. And then when we're finished with all that, we add screen guards to each downspout to make sure that the work that we did is going to last as long as possible. And we don't charge anything additional for doing those things. And we also perform a free safety inspection of the gutter system while we're performing the work. All this is what we consider free additional value. You're doing the work. You're not only going to perform the work you are hired to do, but you're going to inspect the work to make sure that no other work is going to be needed. 
And you're going to provide an extra level of service by doing more than just taking everything out of the gutters. And what we found is by doing that in our business, we are able to obtain a higher level of customer, a more happier customer, and we can be really proud of the work that we're performing and we can provide a warranty that we can stand by. So be proud of the services that you're going to offer. When you're providing the service that the client calls you out for, make sure you're doing a good job. You can stand by the work. You can offer a warranty and you know how to build free additional value that will not only help you gain a better reputation, but also make the customer more happy that they used your service. So that is step number three. Step four, pricing your handyman services. Now, in a later episode, I am going to go in depth on how to properly price your services to achieve the profits you need in order to grow your business. But for this episode, I want to talk more about how to structure your pricing, what goes behind structuring your pricing, and how your pricing is eventually going to help drive profits for your company. Now, when you talk about pricing, one of the main things you have to remember is not only do you need to pay your bills, you need to pay yourself, but you also need to turn a profit. And a lot of us forget about the profit portion in our industry because we may think, oh, it's not as relevant as long as I'm paying my bills and myself. But little do we realize that the profit is what's going to take your business to the next level because with your profits, you can turn around and reinvest that profit money back into your business to help you gain more advertisement, to buy newer equipment, to buy better tools, to advertise better to your clients, or simply to help your business sustain itself when the work isn't coming in as much as you would like. And so when you price your services, those are all the things you need to consider when taking into account what level of pricing you want to offer. Now, there's two ways that I found that are most common to price your services when you start a handyman business. First one is time and material. Time and material is when you buy the materials You may mark up those materials to a certain percentage, and then you charge a fixed hourly rate to perform the service that is being requested of you. Now, the problem that I found when I started with time and material in my own personal business is that there was a lot of anxiety and unneeded stress that the customer and myself were put under because of the structure of pricing that I had. When you're charging a customer by the hour, Unintentionally, what you're doing is telling that customer that you need to watch the clock that I'm on so I finish this job and it doesn't cost you more than it should. Now, instead of the customer paying attention to what you want them to focus on, which is the quality of work you're performing, the added additional value that you're bringing to the table, now they're more focused on the time it's taken you to complete the task. And instead of it being a good experience for the customer, now we're putting them in a stressful position where they have to monitor the time that you're spending on this task. And in reverse, on your end, as a technician in the home, 
Now you're rushing to do the job. So you're not having to have an uncomfortable conversation on why the job took longer than it should have and try to justify extra cost. And so when I first started my handyman business, I was under time and material, but quickly transformed and moved over to flat rate pricing. Flat rate pricing offers you the opportunity to do a good job, slow down for the client, take the time you need to build the additional value that you need to build with the client, build a relationship, and also provide a good quality service. I feel like flat rate pricing, when you explain it to the customer, the customer is a lot more understanding and you find that the customer would ultimately prefer flat rate pricing instead of you charging them by the hour. At least in my experience, that's what I have found. And that is the method that we use to price our services. Now to recap, step number four, figure out what pricing method you want to use for the services you created in step number three. Once you identify the best practice that you want to use for your business, make sure that you follow through and that you're always checking that the pricing that you're offering is working with your client. It's not uncommon for you to reevaluate your pricing and change it as you go on through your business. Step number five, getting the phone to ring. Now that you're operating as a handyman in your area, how are customers going to find you? How are you going to attract new customers? How are you going to get new work? How are you going to book more leads? And how are you going to grow your business? Now, in a later episode, I am going to go more in depth on some of the strategies that I used to grow my business and take it from a side hustle into a profitable, sustainable business. But some of the tips I can share with you on this episode are going to be as follows. Number one, invest in a website. There's many different resources out there to have a website professionally created that attracts new customers to your website, which turn into estimate inquiries, which then into potential clients. Now there's paid services for this type of work. You can hire somebody, pay them up front, and then pay them on a monthly basis to maintain, to manage your websites so it gets you good rankings on Google pages, Yelp pages, and things like that, which is called SEO, and it stands for Search Engine Optimization. Or you can go with a resource where they create a free website for you, and then you just pay them a monthly fee to manage it. Either way you decide to do it, I would recommend starting your website now. Once you start your website, it can take up to six to nine months for it to start attracting customers to your website and attracting people to find you online. Now that everything's done electronically, it's the place to start. I did that with my business and I saw immediate results within the first 90 days. My phone was already ringing with customers in my area who have found me through my website. So I really believe in that. I think it's an investment for your future. And if you want to have a sustainable long-term business, you have to invest in a professional website. Number two, paying for leads through third-party vendors. Now, there's a lot of resources for this. And this was one of the resources I used was Thumbtack, Yelp, 
Angie Leads, Google Ads, Facebook Ads. There's a lot of resources where you can purchase and set a monthly dollar amount, which will almost guarantee that you'll attract customers to call you or have leads presented to you so you can reach out to that client and offer your services. Now, this is probably the most expensive way you can obtain a customer, but at the very beginning, it may be a risk and a necessity you may have to take to get new customers. These customers that you get from these third-party service providers are not guaranteed to do business with you, so that is why it's considered a riskier. You're pretty much paying the third-party provider to bring you leads that have been quote-unquote qualified. And I say that with a grain of salt because from my experience, I felt like half of the leads are getting, I wasn't even getting correct contact information, but that's another story for another time. But that is another avenue you can explore to get your phone to ring and build your business. Step number three is marketing material. You know, when I first started my business, I purchased a secondhand van for very cheap. I put some money into it to get it fixing and going. And I already had tools and I used whatever I had left over from that to purchase car magnets, to purchase business signs, to purchase yard signs, to purchase door hangers, business cards. And I even purchased a couple of generic invoices for the customers that I couldn't email them their information. And what I found by doing that, it was a very low cost effective way to market my business, but it does work. It takes time. It's a very patient game that you play when you're doing it that way. But when you're building your business, you want to try to manage how much overhead you're undertaking and how much debt you're getting into at the very beginning so your business can thrive and be successful. Now, when I put magnets on my van, I put one on each side, one on the back, and I figured I'd do it that way just in case a car pulls up behind me, they see my business, I park my car on my van on the side of the road, they see my business. And so everywhere I was at, my business was relatively being marketed. Business cards, I always made sure I had a couple of fresh business cards on me. So that way, if if whoever I spoke with, whether it was another business owner, whether it was somebody I met at the grocery store, whether it was a client that I just did work for, I would always leave some business cards. And then I got creative enough and I decided to make refrigerator magnets. So I was also handing those out with every completed invoice and every job that I did. And you would be surprised how many times I was able to get a referral just on those things alone. The second thing, second part of that, I should say, was putting out yard signs. Every time I completed a job, I would ask the client if I can leave a yard sign out there for a couple of weeks to a month, if they were okay with it. In return, I would make sure I get them a gift card when I go back and pick up that sign. As I thought it would be a win-win, if I'm giving them a gift card, let's say for $25 to a place they like, and I'm able to gain maybe one or two clients from it, then I felt like it was a pretty affordable investment to gain a new client. Knowing the cost of leads can be very expensive. I feel like that's one of the more affordable ways you can obtain one. You can also pass out door hangers at the neighbor's house of the client you just serviced, maybe across the street. You can pass out flyers. There's a lot of other things you can do to get creative with your marketing. Now that we have concluded step number five, I'd like to recap. Getting the phone a ring can be done in a variety of different ways. It's all gonna come down to cost, 
and what you're comfortable spending on your marketing. Now, it doesn't hurt to diversify yourself and maybe explore with all the options at the very beginning to figure out what method is going to work for you the best. What I can say is that investing in a website early will pay dividends for you in the future. And it may work a lot faster than you think, just depending on how it's created. Now that brings us to the conclusion of today's podcast episode. The first five steps to starting and operating a successful handyman business. Number one, research. Number two, business plan. Number three, the services you're going to provide. Number four, the way you're going to price your services. And number five, how to get that phone to ring. At the end of the day, enjoy what you do. Enjoy what you love. Do it with passion. Stand behind your work. Continue to motivate yourself. Educate yourself to elevate you and your handyman hustle. Until we speak again.